good to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. back for episode 237 of the Dave's I Know podcast. A uh, very special one where we don't have a ton of uh, specifically Minnesota United uh, first team news. We do have some Minnesota United FC two news uh, and some results. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit international soccer uh, and a very special guest on with us to talk some international soccer. Uh, but first and foremost, we have our uh, regular co-host, MJ. How are you doing? I am fabulous. Wonderful. And Jess, how was your, how was your week? I am hustling. Very good. Very good. And the aforementioned uh, very special guest, we have Adu Rosales uh, on the podcast. Adu, how are you doing? I'm doing welcome better now the- that I'm hanging out with you guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> welcome po- just wait. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, buddy. What would you be doing uh, on a Monday night at 845 if you weren't listening to, or weren't recording a podcast with us? Uh, video games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Playing Ease Origins right now. Okay. <laughs> So, so we're we're definitely a waste of your time. Then is what you're is what you're trying to say. So. <laughs> he could be raiding or something. <laughs> uh, no. We decided uh, MJ um, had the great idea to invite uh, Adu to the podcast. Adu is a uh, uh, Costa Rican, so he's a huge Costa Rican national team fan. We are playing Costa Rica in a, in a couple of days, and so we thought, who better to bring on than someone who can talk a little bit about Costa Rican soccer and what uh, we might expect for against the U.S. on uh, on Wednesday. So thanks Ooh. for thanks for spending some time with us, man. We appreciate it. Welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for the invite. Adieu. Adieu. Yeah, Adu is our, is the biggest Johan Venegas fan in Minnesota. Uh, really, Venegas? No. Really? No, he's also probably the biggest Francisco Calvo apologist. Other than apologist, oh. yeah, he is. I think I think my... I'm more. I'm, I, I am more of a Calvo apologist than a Venegas fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. We we'll talk a little bit about these uh, U.S. games that happen. Um, we just have some some bullet points, some things to talk about. Um, and uh, yeah, feel free to to jump in and do wherever you see fit. We don't need to talk about every single thing that happened in these games, but just some choice. I think some choice moments. Um, so first things first, I'm just going to say, uh, sorry, I apologize to David Kelly and all the Wolverhampton Wolves fans out there, but Raul Jimenez is the diviest diver that ever dived, uh, <laughs> watching that U.S.-Mexico game. Oh no, my goodness. I don't see him do that in, in the EPL, which is strange, which is strange. So it, it, it's CONCACAFI. He knows, he knows his, his audience, <laughs> knows the referees, and this is what he does in CONCACAF. That's how you win games. Yeah. He knows there's VAR. <laughs> We're going to get to that later. <laughs> you know, he knows they instituted VAR, right, for, for this last round of, uh, of qualifiers? Like, he knows that, right? Maybe he doesn't I, do it in appeal because of VAR, but I he doesn't. I more frustrating with Irving Lozano's whining all the time. It didn't matter whether someone made contact with him. He lost the ball. Someone had a teammate. He was whining at opponents, at his teammates, at the referee. And 
I just feel he's a much better player than Raul Jimenez, especially in CONCACAF uh, on the wing. Yeah. But it was just like, you're so good. You don't need to be this frustrated and get this bent out of shape about this. But you got really bent out of shape. Well, to be fair, Pulisic was being kind of a whiny asshole, too, for most of the game. So No, no arguments there. <laughs> uh, so this was a, I, I don't know. We watched this game at the Blackheart. It was uh, um, th- this the atmosphere at the Azteca did not seem um, as crazy as it normally is. And personally, number one, I think there was only I think four fifty thousand people allowed in. It's like what's the seats about eighty thousand, I think mm-hmm. something around that. Um, the other thing I heard afterwards is that there was so much traffic and it was so backed up to get in there, like the 50,000 people couldn't even get in. Like by halftime, they literally just were like open the gates and let people in. Like they were trying to, cause they're trying to stamp out uh, the homophobia that has, that has sort of plagued the uh, Mexican Federation with a new uh, thing you had to like log in and sign up for so that they knew where you were sitting and who you were. And so that they could kick people out. If they do the P chance, um, there was an announcer that was yelling uh, uh, Mexico when there was goal kicks um, so that they could drown out the P chance. So like the whole, atmosphere of the Azteca is completely changed from what it has been, which is, I mean, I'm not saying that we should, it's, it's great to have bags of pee thrown at you. Um, but I don't, I think there's a, there's a health, healthy balance between bags of pee being thrown at you and that uh, septic uh, thing that was where they played a game on uh, Thursday. I mean, normally when you're trying to get the, into the Azteca and someone says you're in, that's a good thing. But I mean, too much you're in is just not a good thing. That is that is fair. Uh, <laughs> speechless. MJ, speechless. MJ, MJ, you know I hate puns, but I, I will I will allow you that one. That one was that one was good. So um, it was yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of that that fast. <laughs> Don't get pissy, David. <laughs> All right, I can mute your mic, buddy. If you, if you, if you keep it up. Uh, so let's talk about the there, – there was a couple of uh, okay chances for Mexico, but they were mostly shooting outside the box. Um, Stefan had to make one – like two – I think two or three saves, none that really were too ter- – like too bad for him. I think the uh, – was it Lozano had that one shot that Stefan uh, tipped over the bar that went out actually for a goal kick. Um, that was basically all of Mexico's chances. They didn't really create much of anything. The U.S., on the other hand, created two really great chances – uh, in the 35th minute, uh, Pulisic was denied point blank by that fucker Memo Ochoa. Um, Ricardo Pepe had a great uh, pass, a great cross. Um, uh, as a goalkeeper, I know I've seen that cross in my dreams many times where you are basically in no man's land and you just throw your body out. Um, and Pulisic, instead of slotting it into a corner, just hit it straight, basically straight down the middle from about five yards out straight into Memo Ochoa um, and denied the U.S. Uh, a goal there. And then um, in the 72nd minute, uh, <laughs> PFOC misses a, an even bigger chance. And not only does he miss it, he wanders it. He wanders it not, ov- not like a- over the crossbar and, you know, onto the moon. He, wa- he wanders it for a fucking throw-in, which was absolutely insane. Gio Reyna worked so hard to get him that ball. Yes, he did. Not as hard as his as his wonder dribble, but I mean he he dribbled and was beating guys and, and had this great pass just to get him that ball at the front doorstep. 
you have to hit those. You you need to get those on net at the very least. Get them on net. Yeah, and the fact that it was a it, that he hit it so, and then he, for a throw in, not even not even a goal kick, a fucking throw in. And I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but Gio Reyna like stared, like stopped and like stared with his hands in the air. Yeah, just stared at Pifak for like for like fifteen seconds, waiting for Pifak to turn and look at him, basically to say the fuck you do, bro. Like the fuck you doing? It was it was. It was a thing of beauty, uh, honestly. Um, because yeah, you're right. Uh uh Gio worked really fucking hard on that one. So and then you mentioned the other the other sort of really cool US uh, moment was Gio's slalom run. Um according to Burhalter, Maradona-esque uh yeah. slalom through the uh through the Mexican defenders. Um and I I linked into our document here and, and it's a been on, but there's basically a, a slow-mo version of this like just some uh classical music and it's fucking great he just he beats seven defenders um two of those defenders are like the same defenders from like 10 seconds earlier that they caught back up to him and he he like megged them again um it was a, it was a fucking great run even the mexican fans were like standing up and cheering for him after that it, obviously it came to nothing he went basically from the top of the us 18 to the top of the mexican 18 eventually he was dispossessed nothing came of it Nobody was running with him. Like uh, Christian Pusik made one half-hearted run and then basically pulled out because he was like, "Yeah, I'm too fucking tired to do this." Um, but it was it was it was great. And uh, man, you love to see it. You love to see it from from Gio Reyna. That guy has had a hard time uh, this year with injuries and stuff. So yeah, I do. It, that thing was a thing of beauty. Uh, yeah, you, no, you can't compare it to Maradona because Maradona scored and it was a World Cup. But this. Uh, I've seen that video you're talking about, you know, you, every time I see it, even on replay, I'm always cheering, like, you're going to make it next time, buddy. You're going to make it. <laughs> uh, it was that good. It was that good. And it was really, uh, you know, this, this is kind of the thing that brings people into soccer, you know, mm-hmm. aside from all the shithousery that's out there, you see this stuff and it makes you fall in love again. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think this will like uh, European fans or, or like the Euro snobs here in the U S will look at that and be like, Holy shit, that's fucking amazing. And that wasn't that wasn't against Honduras. That was against Mexico, which you know is pre- you know, presumably the best team in the in the uh, in the region. Um, not anymore. We'll get to that in a little bit. So, the last uh, sort of point I have here is Mexican fans. I mean, they booed uh, Tata before the match. Um, they definitely were booing him during the match, but they really were, were whistling at him um, at the end of the match. And so, I mean, my question is: is I mean, presume presuming that um, Mexico. Let's say Mexico draws with El Salvador in uh, in the Azteca uh, oh, on Wednesday. They do would love that. Um, <laughs> let's say they draw with El Salvador. Um, let's say Costa Rica wins, but they they don't make up the goal. Like, well, if 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 Mexico wins or draws, Costa Rica, the only way they can get to the automatic spots is by beating us by a six goal. So, like, let's just say Costa Rica beats us like two to nothing. Mexico draws. And um, so Mexico finishes third, Costa Rica finishes fourth, which is where everybody is right now. Um, how do we think Tata Martino even makes it to Qatar at that point? I, I asked a friend of mine who's a, in the uh, a, you know fan of Mexico, um, she's a longtime fan of Mexico. She seems to think so, um, but I don't even know, man. If if he if he and if they if they lose and they have to go to that uh, that qualifying, they lo- I think if Mexico loses. By at least two goals to by at least two goals, and Costa Rica wins by at least three goals. Then Costa Rica jumps Mexico, and Mexico's in that fourth spot. I haven't done the math in my head, but um, so yeah. So either way, you have to go to Qatar because you have to either play in the, the World Cup in November or the inter the 
uh, interconfederation playoff. Um, yeah, do you guys even think he makes it to Qatar? I I think that um, yes, if if he would have gone, if if things happen which are not going to happen, where Costa Rica <laughs> is in third and Mexico is in fourth, uh, maybe something like that can happen. However, I think right now, if you if you try to read the the voices of the the Mexican fans, they're kind of upset a, a little bit more than just that. The, they're upset with the administration and everything else, and the fact that uh, Azteca is no longer intimidating. Going back to the urine uh, commentary, um, so I think he stayed just because it's it's still a results-based uh, game and um, he made him get there. It's always tough to make it through a World Cup qualifier and, and he's going to stay. He's going to go through Qatar and if he does well, he'll probably stay there for as long as he wants. I don't see La Federacion changing coaches mid-World Cup cycle as, as horribly or as lackluster as this Mexico team is. I also agree with they do that Everything from how do you bring up the next generation, which veterans are you calling into camp? There's a lot of frustration at the players, a lot of frustration at you know the Azteca not being what it used to be, the coach, La Federacion. It, it, there's a lot of dispersed frustration with L3 and not just at uh, – Martino. I will say this, Extra Time mentioned that between the U.S. game and when they played again just a few days later versus Honduras, Tata did not rotate the squad. And Matt Doyle mentioned that, like, we know this from Atlanta. He doesn't like to change up. He doesn't develop young players. He doesn't rotate new players in. And I'm like, where the fuck have we heard this before? <laughs> Sounds like a tiny little man from uh, from England. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know it's it's weird because you know Guardado is still sitting out there. Carlos Vela, Chicharito, um, they need some scoring, and, and they they have scoring. Scoring is just sitting in the U, like sitting here, like not being called in. So I know there's other issues going on there, but anyways, um, I, I forgot to throw this into the uh, into the the document, but I have a theory. Um, oh Raj Bennett uh, from uh, the Men in Blazers mentioned it on, I, I believe, their his Friday call. So on the show. he has a theory. Well, but I, but I've expounded upon it. Like it's it's a theory that I've <laughs> I've been working on. That yeah, that he kind of he had one uh, like just a throwaway remark, and I'm actually think he had one harebrained idea. I took this I, one all the way. I took it all the way. Um, that we have to think <laughs> that we we have to thank Roger Goodell and the NFL for the uh, cheapening or like the improving of the Azteca in a way, like they really wanted uh, NFL football games, like regular season games in Mexico, in Mexico city. And um, basically the NFL forced uh, Mexico to make improvements. It's like adding <laughs> suites and things to the Azteca. And this is not fully fleshed out yet. I need to do a little bit of more research um, dive into some of those uh, crazy uh, websites that MJ is always sending me um, uh, to, to really confirm it. But I think we U.S. Soccer Federation needs to send a gift basket to Roger Goodell for fucking the, fe- the, the Mexican Football Federation. So uh, just <laughs> FYI. Uh, all right. So that, that's that. Uh, U.S. clinches at least fourth place uh, with uh, with this uh, zero zero draw. 
Um, and it's not in the it's not in the uh, the rundown here, but uh, Rodrigo, sorry, um, Adu, Costa Rica played. They also won. Uh, they beat Canada. Um, Canada doing us no favors because if Canada would have won, we would have been in perfect position to qualify all the, automatically for uh, this match. But um, how was that game? I didn't watch as, as I watched like the first half of it, I believe, but I didn't get to catch most of it. The uh, so I actually for that game I uh, was in an unfortunate position where I couldn't watch the game. Oh no! Um, so I only watched the highlights when I came back home. Um, anyways, I uh, from what I hear from people, it uh, it was uh, lots of Canada possession, lots of Canada Canadian chances, um, lots of posts against the Costa Rican goalie, but um, they were able to manage to hit first and and hold off on the uh, defensively, and that's what they've been doing great lately. Is that they they've been able to hold their defensive form very very strongly. More on this uh, in once a loon segment. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. We'll hold off to that. All right. Uh, so let's skip ahead to Sunday, USA 5, Panama 1, down in Orlando. Um, a scoreline that flatters the U.S. because, I honestly, I don't think the U.S. played very well in this game. Um, How do you especially not that, play well and score that, five goals? How about, don't interrupt me and let me let me say my point here. Um, I just want to contribute. Come to the games, Jess. We're, we're there watching. You can come and hang out with us and watch the games. Mama's uh, got to make money. <laughs> uh so usa uh, so basically what i'll say is is um us had a, a pretty ro- uh not a heavily rotated squad but a, a rotated squad nonetheless um geo Reyna, who we thought would start uh did start apparently he got montezuma's revenge as did uh, a bunch of uh a bunch of uh, players um and, and people in the traveling squad um were fell ill in uh, mexico um shack mm-hmm. moore came in uh he had been called into the, the camp as soon as um, Reggie Cannon was tested positive for COVID, so he just hung out in Orlando while the other all the other players were in Mexico City. Um, and for the first ten minutes of this game, it like Panama was really playing very well. U.S. looked tired and 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 dead legged and all that. Um, but then in the I believe it was the thirteenth minute, uh, Walker Zimmerman draws a penalty. It wasn't actually called until the seventeenth minute because the uh, the referee didn't didn't see it apparently, and then had to go to VAR. But it was Annabelle Godoy um, who basically puts his hands to like to the face of Walker Zimmerman, pushes him. Walker Zimmerman keeps coming, and this is during a corner kick. Christian Pulisic is taking the corner, um, comes back at him, and then basically like puts his hands around his uh, his his throat and what? basically does a, ch- a choke slam of of Walker Zimmerman. Uh, these guys are teammates; they play together on the Nashville back line. It's it, it's hilarious. Um, in fact, the referee didn't see it, and then it also kind of looked like there was a handball in there too. But I, I don't, I think it actually ended up hitting his like his midsection, not his not his actual hand. So after, uh, so and the other cool thing is MJ, tell, tell us about how like the uh, the the the, the shit houseery that uh, Walker Zimmerman did to make sure that VAR took took a look at that one. They weren't going to VAR, or at least it didn't look like the VAR referee was signaling to the head referee. You know, the head referee usually puts his finger to his earpiece, like he's getting a message from upstairs. That didn't happen. And so USA is about to take a throw in. Thankfully, it's USA, not not Panama. And Walker Zimmerman goes over and prevents. He's like, no, as soon as you take this throw in, this play is not reviewable. So he delays that. Oh, he makes his teammate wait. That 
the bar referee team had more time to look at it, more time to communicate with the head ref. Mm. That's why we got the penalty kick. And so that's all Walker Zimmerman. There are MJ Anon conspiracies on what is going on in Nashville SC's locker room that Godoy and Walker Zimmerman hate each other so much, you know, that like this, this is going beyond cotton caffeine. There has to be more to this story. It has to be like someone wants to be the leader, isn't giving the leadership role, like some infighting, maybe things Nashville got off to a rough start. Maybe they're pointing fingers at each other. Something's going now. Well, maybe it's just Godoy likes putting his hands in people's faces because he did the exact same thing to Miles Robinson, more or less, uh, right before the halftime. Um, Pulisic scores both those penalties. I think the, the cool thing about, or the, the interesting thing, was uh, for the first penalty and the second one, Ferreira takes the ball um, and stands at the penalty spot, as, as you do. Um, and then all the, the Panama, Panamanian players were coming around, uh, you know, trying to scuff up the spot, you know, yell at him. Uh, talk shit to him. And then basically when the referee gets everybody moved away um, for returns and, and gives the ball to, to Christian Pulisic, like he's his, uh, his uh, penalty butler or something. So, um, and he did. And so you, you'd think, you'd think that um, the, the Panama uh, players would say, Oh, okay. That's what they, they're just, they're, they fucked with us. Good. You know, shame, fool me once, shame on me. Uh, you know, fool me twice. Um and then they did fucking did it again when they had the second penalty. <laughs> did the exact same thing for went up, so, you know, stepped up to take it like he's going to take it, held the ball. As soon as the referee got everybody away, he turned and handed the ball to Pulisic, who buried both of them. Go ahead, MJ. Uh, Matt Doyle says this is something Pulisic stole from Chelsea. That Chelsea does this on penalty kicks all the time, where in the Premier League someone might try to trash talk or a goalkeeper might try to get some sort of signals from his goalkeeper coach on oh this person's taking it they they go this way you want to die this way and at the last second chelsea switches the penalty kick so yeah i, I think they did i think they did in the champions league so was that the first time that they did it or how long have they been doing this because i really feel like this is going to be a trend going forward kind of like the people laying down in the uh you know in on the wall on free kicks uh you know just just so those little trends that happen I think this is going to change it because, yeah, the, it's so huge on penalty kicks that the goalie, all the defenders, everybody comes, kicks the little spot, intimidates, tries to, you know, it's just the mental game. And just to remove the kicker from that mental game, mm-hmm. that's, that's just an outstanding, um, you know, little strategy, little trick that they pull out. So if it's Chelsea, I can't believe it because I hate them. Uh, but yeah, I uh, hate giving good on them. Too. Yeah, good on them, I guess. Yeah, I think it, the first time they did it was last, like last year during uh, the Champions League. So, um, yeah, I think we might, I think you might see start, see it take off. So, uh, okay, so a couple other cool things that happened in this game. Um, and so, to, it, Jess, it sounds like we were kicking ass in this game. We were like, obviously, the scoreline reflects it. I think we ended up with like thirty-one uh, percent possession, which means Panama had sixty-nine, which is very nice. Um, Panama definitely came out to play in this game and they, they wanted to score goals. They knew that if they lost this game, they were basically eliminated from, or they were eliminated from world cup, uh, potential qualifying. So, um, which is why it, the game, we scored a lot. We had some really good stuff, but we, it seemed disjointed. Uh, it seemed like the Orlando crowd really needed to get the team going number one, and then keep the team going. Um, whenever the crowd kind of lulled down the, the, the play kind of, really lulled a little bit yeah it was it was weird watching it on tv and then i've never i've never observed such a phenomena 
Yeah. And then listening up to some podcasts, people who were there like talked about it today too. Like, yeah, like it was really weird that how the team played was really how the crowd engaged the crowd was. So um, one of the cool, one of the cool things that happened was uh, Paul Ariola with a, uh, a flicked header. That dude is five, six. That dude is shorter than I am. Um, he got, he got mad fucking hops, man. Like, so Pulisic uh, takes the ball in, um, he gets fouled and the referee could have, could have blown his whistle, smartly played advantage because the ball kicks mm-hmm. back out to Anthony Robinson, um, who puts in a great, um, a great cross. Uh, Ariola gets above two Panamanian dudes uh, in basically in between two Panamanian dudes and just flicks a header uh, to the back post, which was uh, fucking great. That was about, I want to say five or six minutes after the Pulisic, the first Pulisic penalty, um, which then like they, they got fucking loud as shit in, in Orlando. So, and then uh, finally, uh, the last goal for Christian Pulisic was a, a Bergmask, a Bergkamp-esque nutmeg in the 65th minute. Oh, um, what? Take Dennis Bergkamp as a, a former Arsenal player who had a something, if you go look at the highlights for this one, uh, something very similar uh, happened. Um, where basically he got a ball. It, uh, I don't think he intentionally tried to, to, to do this. I think this was like 30% intentional, 70% unintentional. Um, but it was a, a great, uh, great turn, um, beat two defenders and the goalkeeper uh, for his first hat trick in the, I believe it was like the 62nd or 63rd minute. Normally when players nutmeg, they're using their toe or their insole. This was an outsole nutmeg to, to, and, mm. and not to another player, but to himself. And I think we also, those are the aspects that make it Bergkamp-esque. Yeah. He also nutmegs uh, uh, the other defender, too. So he nutmeg himself and a defender and then beat the, and then beat the goalkeeper. Uh, uh, so it was, it was a thing of beauty. It, it, I don't know. I'm, I've, I've, as long as I've been watching the um, U.S. men's team play, that, I mean, that's easily in the top three goals <laughs> ever scored by a U.S. player that I've seen. Um, it might even be the, the best goal ever scored by, I mean, not like, not like in terms of um, importance or anything like that. Right. But yeah. I think in terms of like just pure sexiness, that might be the sexiest goal I've ever seen. It's definitely, if it's not one, it's probably number two. So MJ, have you seen anything sexier as a following the U S men's national team? I'm, ju- I'm talking just the men, yes. not the women. Yes. But I'm a defensive play like, my sexy things are all like fouls and locks and prevent and saves and things like that. So like Tim Howard versus Belgium was way sexier, but that's, that's a whole catalog of work. Not a single moment. I, I said, I, I said goals, not, not fucking performances. Cause yes, obviously that's a sexy performance. I apologize. I'm too busy talking over you to hear you say goals and make yeah. that qualify. So that's, fair, that's on me. Fair enough. Okay. So, so clearly no, it's, it, 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 it there's not, um, all right, so uh, that brings us basically to the uh, Costa Rica, which needs to beat the U.S. by at least six goals uh, to knock the U.S. down to the playoff spot. There, there's some obviously, as we mentioned, some different permutations with Mexico. Um, Mexico is playing El Salvador, and in in the Azteca, the El Salvador has been eliminated from um, contention for the World Cup uh, final for quite some time. So I don't imagine that they'll put up much of a uh, of a fight there. But you know, there's a non-zero possibility. We've seen. Crazier shit happened in CONCACAF uh, last fucking cycle, <laughs> number one. So, Jess, do you have any uh, uh, hot or not for, for this week? I did not. 
I did not do any extracurricular soccer activities, so okay, no. Fair enough. All right, well, let's jump into Costa Rica then. Which, uh, which I why just we... want to mention oh. that at the Merlin's Rest, where I was, my friend Alex, she was commenting on hairstyles, mm-hmm. and she thought the Jesus Ferro, which I thought looked horrible, like like a skunk mohawk. She mm-hmm. thought that gets a pass. That's a thumbs up, or at least gets a pass. But the Walker Zimmerman ponytail was one too high and should have been a man bun instead of a, a ponytail. Um, oh, as if the, as if one is excusable. No, yeah. no, I highly you, disagree. You say bo- no to both. Um, well, a, a pony is no more excusable than a man bun, and you're just—they're both diving divas. What do you one feel? Is, how do you feel about top knots, then? I'm over them. I'm I'm really over them. I I want to see some some genuine originality. I want to see like this is hello. This is spring 2022. Show me something new. Show me what I haven't seen, and make it good. Well, um, the is for a skunk mohawk is definitely something new. That was new. It was bad. Real Thank bad. you. I thought it was atrocious. Yeah, it was bad. We- Jess, we should really have a spinoff. Maybe it's a Patreon podcast where it's just a sartorialist uh, podcast about uh, fashion and uh, hair and, and all that in uh, in MLS. And we could make, make, make it make it short, maybe like 15, 20 minute episodes. And uh, yeah, and, uh, like I'll yeah. be RuPaul or Tim Gunn for five yep. minutes. Exactly. Yeah, I could exactly. totally do that. I could do that ad lib, right? I won't even write it. It'll be like start the timer. Go. All right. Hey, well, hey do you, any anything on Calvo's frosted tips that you you want to comment on? You. I'm over Calvo in so many ways. There's nothing. There's nothing great about that one. I think we should go back to that mullet conversation, though. The New York Red Bull guy had it right on. It looked like 1986 Czech Republic hockey team, and <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved it. You mean? You know? so, so- you mean Yarmir Yager today? Yes, exactly. <laughs> if Yarmir Yager was living today, playing uh, a professional sport, uh, he would do like uh, was it Klimala? It wasn't Klimala. It was a, another player. It was another Red Bull, but I don't remember his his name. Oh, it's yeah, Tolkien. Tolkien. Yes. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm it. I'm I am like ninety nine percent sure Yarmir Yager is still rocking that haircut. He's been rocking that haircut since the nineteen eighties. <laughs> so, um... all right. Well, let's jump into Costa Rica and talk and. Normally we would do this at the end of the podcast, but since we have a do here, we'll 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 do it uh, right away. Um, so I do. Uh, you tell us who we should be looking out for for Costa Rica. Uh, I will just point out that they have nine dudes on yellows, um, and the weird. So number one, I didn't realize that two uh, yellows in the in the um, in the uh, ocho, yeah, the octagonal um, gets you suspended for the next game. Uh, which I think is, a, is an insanely low number. Like that's Tyler Adams has been sitting on a yellow for nine games, I believe. So like, like that dude has not gotten a second yellow is amazing. Um, so Costa Rica has nine players on yellows and the suspension uh, and cards carry over to the playoff game, which is also a dumb fucking rule. So if, if any of the nine players sitting on yellows, um, which include Calvo, Venegas, um, I think Ruiz is on one Campbell, um, which is the only guy who can score for you um, is also is also on a yellow. Uh, there's obviously a, a bunch of other dudes. If they get a yellow in this game, uh, and you know they end up finishing in fourth place, that suspension carries over to the uh, the playoff against the Oceania Oceania representative, 
which we presume will be New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand and Solomon Islands play, I think, on maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. Um, where Where is Oceana? This sounds like fucking Disney World. <laughs> it is one of the continental like, regions I, associated with Australia. I'm in the Wild West. I'm jousting Arthur in the night to the round so, table. So, so just where where do you think Oceania is is like Micronesia? Very good. Gross. So, Oceania is called Oceania. I'm not because... a total fucking moron. I just play one on the pod. Jess, Australia is a continent and an island, and it's only one nation. And for a while, the the surrounding islands were called this horribly portmanteau called Australasia. And that was deemed not culturally acceptable. And, you know, New Zealand was upset about this, you know, probably Tonga, Samoa, they're all upset, you know, French Polynesia, like, why are you calling Australasia? Like, it's not Australia, it's not Asia. We're we're our own fucking thing. It's Austronesia. So it's Oceania. Yeah. Anyways, Australia used to be a part of it, um, but then they, they decided to yeah, soccer wise. But they decided to switch to uh, the Asian uh, Federation, um, and Oceania only gets half of a berth to to the World Cup. So their winner gets to play a playoff against one other random uh, team from another continent. Um, the World so Cup happened. is so weird. It is. It's it's it is bonkers. So. They got drawn with the uh, North American Caribbean Confederation CONCACAF, which is where we play soccer as the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. So the fourth place team plays the winner of the New Zealand Solomon Islands match, which is not taking place in Oceania. It's taking place in fucking Qatar right now. Um, which playing... is all fair. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So and it's, a, it's a one-off game. So to go back to my point about the yellow cards, it's a one-off game. Um, so if, the, if any of these players pick up a second yellow against the U.S., um, and we know how much of a hothead Frankie Calvo is, um, very likely to, uh, then they would be suspended for the one-off match that's going to be taking place in Qatar in June of all, of all times. Um, uh, but maybe the that's there. Is that, what season is that there? Hot fucking summer. Yeah, it it's is, still summer. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. that's a bummer. There's Anyways. The reason why uh, the World Cup is being held in December this year. Unlike July, like it usually is, because it's oh, in yeah. fucking Qatar. That's right. It was usually it is usually in the summer. The last time I paid attention to a World Cup, I was still waiting tables at a Mexican restaurant, and I liked uh, waiting tables during the World Cup because they're especially in the bar because then I could watch <laughs> instead of work. True story. Good times, <laughs> David. You you mentioned CONCACAF and you you skipped over some of the letters that CONCACAF stands for. Like you said, I, North American Caribbean Confederation. We have ADU on the pod. How dare you disrespect Central America? <laughs> Central America, <laughs> sorry, leave, yes. Leave that out <laughs> of your list when talking about our own confederation. I understand if ADU's not here, who cares about Central America? But he's here. Show him some respect. <laughs> oh my god. It's, it's all right. Not the, so, it's not the first time I guess this regard. It's all good. Yeah. I apologize. Mike, my, my question though, my, so my question for you to do, and then we can talk maybe a little bit about uh the, he can talk a little bit about and, and use this to sort of talk about the Costa Rican players that he's excited to watch. And cultural whatever. sensitivity. Maybe we'll do that on break. Yeah. Um what have your what have been your thoughts on uh the Costa Rica qualifying? Um obviously it started really poorly, 
Uh, and, but it's been basically flawless since I believe you guys have gotten taken 16 of the last 18 points of on, on, on available to you. So um, I know yep. there was, it was a new manager. So he was trying out some, he was trying to figure out rotations and all that, but it seems like he's figured out who his team is and, and it's been going really great since then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like a couple of things that you mentioned are uh, right on the, on, uh, right on all the yellow card thing. That's a big consideration coming up. Uh, but for the actual qualifier, just to get there, uh, yeah, it started very messy. It started messy because uh, there was uh, no consistency at the coach position. So before Gold Cup, that's when the transition to the new coach happened. That didn't work out because this, uh, I don't know if many people are familiar with this guy. His last name is Matosas, and he used to uh, be a club coach in Mexico. He had a couple of clubs there, uh, you know, with different success. And so he had the, the call. That was for a very a diplomatic team. statement. Different success. Yes, that sounds very diplomatic. What are you hiding? <laughs> the reason I say it that he way, and he was really good. He, the yeah, he was successful at the club level, but he, him at least his his uh, excuse at the end was that he did not like it, and so people oh. in Costa Rica were just upset about this. And and he said plainly, said I thought it was like the clubs. It's completely different. I don't like it. I don't like the day to day. I'm not gonna be good here. So in in a way, it's kind of good that he quit when he did. Uh, well, yeah, he you jumped in better sooner rather than late. You got to give him props for admitting like hey i'm gonna suck at this yeah let me get yeah. out of your way <laughs> yes and so he, he and he's back now at coaching clubs in mexico and good for him and hopefully he gets things go his way uh but costa rican people were not happy that that happened there was a transition coach that did not uh, work too well mm. uh lots of uh, failures before world uh, gold cup with uh friendlies and all sorts of just uh, terrible years right after the World mm -hmm. Cup. Very, very bad. Costa Rica was not looking good. The first seven games of this uh, octagonal, uh, also very difficult. Only six points out of seven games, which, you know, being below one point per game does not get you to the, to the World Cup. doesn't get you anything in any tournament. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, terrible, terrible. And the big problem that people were really pointing out was this there was no generational change uh, and it actually been the second cycle where the whole core was still the same mm. so uh, by the time we uh, costa rica played the u.s the average age i think at that point was uh, 34 years old for costa rica and 24 uh, or 23 for the u.s and I read somewhere, I don't know if this is correct or not, but the youngest Costa Rican at that time during that game was older than the older, uh, oldest uh, U.S. player, which does not bode well. And you could you saw that during that game, the last 30 minutes, Costa Rica was gassed. That's when the U.S. really pumped it up and took it to the to the next year. And Costa Rica was not able to to stand the, the mm -hmm. all the youth that the U.S. has. Uh, so two lost cycles and then towards then there was a little bit of a change. Uh, the, the change happened because uh, a lot of people quit at the uh, at the federation level and there was a whole big change. And now a lot of coaches in the press are lobbying for this or that player, which is one of the things that Suarez likes to do is take risks. And he did take a lot of risk on a lot of young players. Uh, from all sorts of teams, not just the main three teams in Costa Rica. Costa Rica has this, this triumvirate that takes 95% of the championships. The other teams 
only get the the rest so every time those three teams make up the the core of the of the team and um other teams are not taking into consideration Suarez did that better than other coaches he has been looking at younger teams uh, younger players in different teams and so he's brought up uh, just a, a large amount of young players has given them time and a lot of them have actually panned out much better than expected and those little contributions from those players mm-hmm. whether they were you know just serviceable so that they can do their job well or they were phenomenal and and they pulled something out of thin air uh, that happened. And so that's, has been the difference. And, you know, the changing mentality with, with uh, the team gotten rid of, uh, of a lot of old cow, uh, no sacred cows or whatever this, the say is. Yeah. Yes. So got cows, rid of, yeah. yeah, they, they did a cleanup. And so things have changed and it, it, you know, it came for, it became, uh, you know, going from a very bad position to, to, uh, to the optimism that exists right now in Costa Rica. How many times when you are talking about Costa Rican manager Luis Suarez, do you have to explain, no, not that Luis Suarez? Uh, <laughs> 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 doesn't happen too much, but uh, that's cool that that's you call it That's something I would have asked. <laughs> All right. He's not the biter. He's the, the director, the, the coach. Not the biter? No, the and racist. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Not the racist biter. He's a great player. He's a great player and made mistakes. So he's not the player. He's the oh. coach. Dude, he's a racist and is a biter, not the coach, the player. So, and I was, and I'm, I'm still a big fucking fan of him. So don't, you know, um, of course. <laughs> so, so how do you think? So, so two questions. How do you think Costa Rica will will, will approach this match on Wednesday? Um, will they sit a bunch of these guys who are on yellows, um, knowing that six goals is a is a big big ask? Um, especially you have to score six and concede none. If if the U.S. scores a goal. It means you have to add more and more goals. Um, so do you think they, they sit some of these? And then um, so how do you think they will play? And how would you, if you were the if you were the manager of the Costa Rica team, would you, is it the same? Would you do something different? Would you try to go for it? Um, yeah. Yeah, if, if I was the manager, I would not play any of those guys with the, the yellow cards. I would sit them all, stay there. We won't even take you out to warm up. Just sit there. And we're going to play with all the young guys, uh, give some of them more exposure, the exposure to play the U.S. it's 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 a great opportunity for any of them. The U.S. Is, has been a, a great team, or at least has, has appears a, a great team because of all the individual pieces it has. Uh, so it's very motivating for a young Costa Rican player getting his their first steps to play against such a good team. You know, if they mm-hmm. play Pulisic, but it's also likely that the U.S. will also play lots of young guys. So I'm not quite sure uh, about uh about that you know whether uh it's going to be uh the youth against uh, a b costa rica versus a b usa team so i will sit them all down for sure i think suarez probably will do a mix you know th- th- these are coaches they're not black and white like i am or like most of the fans are they're yeah. going to look at some players and just tell them you know just don't be dumb don't do dumb stuff maybe they'll rely don't on the other shit. ones yeah, just just get out of the uh, altercations, get out of the the little uh, plays like that. Don't don't go too strong. Just be careful when you mark, you know, those things because players do it all the time that you get a yellow at the 15th minute, then the next, uh, you know, the, the rest of the 75 minutes player can be super, super calm. So they can right. they can bring yeah. it up and down as, as they wish. They're professionals. So they should be able to handle that. So my guess is that Suarez is going to play a, a mix of uh he'll sit down some of the yellow card players probably the the most the bigger names and, and still play some of them 
That makes sense. Um, yeah, you're right. I think uh, they'll probably play a, a slightly, uh, definitely, I think, a much more heavily uh, rotated team. I mean, the other thing to consider, too, with the U.S. is that um, Wea and Yedlin were out for the P- Panama game uh, because of the yellow card, uh, because of the yellow cards they got down in Mexico. So I think they're going to probably start. Gio Reyna hasn't played a full 90 yet. Uh, he'll probably go at least 60. So it will be probably, you know, for this camp, a B roster, but it's still got some really good pieces in it. Um, especially like, you know, and, and, and good attacking players like Gio Reyna and, and, uh, and uh, Tim Weah. So uh, I think I, I kind of hope Horvath gets a, gets a start in this game. And, but I, I think Stefan probably will. Um, but yeah, I think this will be, I think this could be, this has the opportunity to be a really fun, like high scoring game, like a three, two or a four, three kind of game where it's just like all out balls to the wall. Like let's just, let's just run for a, for a while. Um, I, that's, I mean, that's what I hope. It could also be just a really shitty, like zero, zero draw because no one wants to get hurt uh, or screw anything else up. And Ooh. I guess the other thing too would be, too would be to consider is like if Costa Rica is sort of like keeping an eye on the Mexico score and El Salvador goes up at all, um, then maybe you throw on, Maybe you sit Calvo and Venegas and Ruiz to start. Um, I would imagine, you know, Campbell, you have to, he's got to try really fucking hard to get a, a, another yellow. But maybe you sit those, you know, Calvo, Vegas, Venegas, and Ruiz. And if you go to halftime and Mexico's beating El Salvador, one to nothing or two to one or something like that, then maybe you throw those guys on for the last 45 minutes and try and get a, whatever, a three nothing draw, a three nothing win or whatever you need to, to you know, to um, leapfrog Mexico. I, I don't think that they'll be looking at Mexico too much because it really it would take a loss from Mexico first of all. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't think it, a draw would get them there. So it would take a loss from Mexico. And El Salvador may not have much to play, and they may have something to go out there at the Azteca. You know, it's a place that where people go and, and you know mess up the party. Uh, everybody in Concacaf goes and plays in Mexico. May, probably one of their best games that they ever played because they're playing the you know, one of the big teams. So um, Salvador may go and do something, but it's unlikely that El Salvador completely eliminated uh, out of a, a loss against Costa Rica with some of their own players with double yellows uh, is going to go and, and spoil the party in Mexico. It's, uh, I know crazier things have happened, but I, you know, I don't think this is a Macedonia, Italy type scenario. It's not. Oh, stop, stop yucking on my yum, Adu. I just want Mexico to have to go to fucking Qatar in June. So. <laughs> It'd be cool, but yeah. Um. <laughs> Listen, I would, I would be happy to lose to Costa Rica four to nothing. If it makes me that Mexico is, uh, is knocked down to fourth place. So. <laughs> if there is any way that, that the U S and Costa Rica and Canada can be the automatic bids and Mexico gets to afford it. I would be all in favor of that, but yeah. I mean, I think all of us are in, in favor of that. Uh, us optimistic people, realistic people are not. So yeah. <laughs> any, anything else on Costa Rica that you want to, you want to let us and, and our, uh, our listeners know? Uh, yeah, I think that, that just uh, on that transition, that was basically like a compressed transition. Really, there was no uh, cycles to cycle transition. And this has been very lucky. You, you don't always do that. You know, like if you watch any sports, you know that you can't do a rebuild year. And all of a sudden on that rebuild, you just hit it out of the park. Happens sometimes. So this is kind of happening right now. Happened at the right moment. Uh, I, I like the form that they have right now, uh, and they're they're uh, they're going to be super hyped. They're going to be very happy, and this is all good, leading towards uh, 
playing against New Zealand or Solomon Islands. So uh, very optimistic and very, very happy because I was one of the naysayers, I have to admit. After three <laughs> games, I'm like, no, we're, we're done. We're not going. And that's okay. You know, it happens. It happened to the U.S. last time. It happened to Costa Rica right now. Mm-hmm. And they changed it around. So uh, very optimistic, but we'll have, to, we'll have to see. That's why they play these games. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining us and talking about that. So, uh, all right, let's quickly go through some loons abroad. We have some uh, U.S. players or a Mr. United players that are playing uh, for their national teams. Uh, let's start with Honduras, where Kervin Ariaga and Joseph Rosales are currently uh, playing. Uh, at Panama, 1-1 draw. Uh, with this, act- this result actually dramatically helped both the U.S. and Costa Rica, as a matter of fact. Uh, and Kermagerd with an absolutely gorgeous ball to Kevin Lopez for the equalizer. Um, just, I don't know if you, if you get a chance to watch this, this pass, watching that pass is being like, Oh shit, if he could do that to Amaria. That's going to be fucking great. So it's a great pass from about 40 yards out. It hits Kevin Lopez in stride. And he just, he just, you know, puts his boot through the ball. Um, Rosales made the game day uh, bench, but he did not get on the pitch. He's still waiting for his first uh, Honduran cap. Uh, and then on Sunday, Honduras lost to Mexico at home. Uh, again, Ariaga started. He came out at halftime. Um, I didn't see why, if it was any sort of injury related. I'm guessing it was probably just a uh, rotational thing. Um, again, Rosales on the bench, but didn't play. Um, both, so Wednesday, they're playing at Jamaica. Uh, obviously, both Honduras and Jamaica are both eliminated. Really, really, really hope that uh, Joseph Rosales gets his first national team cap on Wednesday. Um, it'd be a perfect opportunity for him. Since they're uh, they're both these teams are basically eliminated. They're eliminated, uh, and 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 Jamaica's defense sucks right now, um, as we'll evidenced by long. getting the shit kicked out of them by Canada uh, on uh, on Sunday. So, uh, all right, Finland. Uh, Robin Lude played on Saturday. They played Iceland. Uh, it was a one-one draw. Uh, Lude went the full ninety. Uh, he had a FOT mob rating of six point eight um, for whatever that's worth. He did pretty good. Uh, 83 percent on passing. Uh, two of two for tackles one, uh, and he committed three fouls. Um, 6.8 was basically like the lowest score. Um, there's like three other fin- Finnish players that finished with that score. So what's you know, font mob scoring? It's just the rating of, of the players um, on the pitch. It, it rotates, it up- adjusts throughout the game based on if they've completed passes, if they've scored a goal, if they've, you know, just all the, mm. the stats. So it's just I like, I mean, it's out of 10, right? 10 would be you played a, a perfect game. Yeah. An absolutely perfect game. Yeah, I don't think uh, I've ever seen a 10 on Fatma. Well, yeah, so. you've seen some 9 point something, 9.2 or something, but those are even, 9s are even rare. Yeah. Because uh, Yeah. Um, And then they play on Tuesday against uh, Slovakia. So. Did anyone else see Corey Shreppel's little video clip of Rasmus Schuler once a loon, making eyes at the camera? I did. That should have been on the hat or not hat. Um, I don't, I don't get it. Just I thought it was way hotter when he actually paid for us. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, all right. I mean, Finally, and that's so- not even counting my bias. That was like just genuine, like hotness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll throw up before we jump into South Africa, New Zealand. Uh, Michael Boxer was scheduled to go play um, with uh, the New Zealand national team. But they started their uh, tournament early, um, like before uh, the release window. And then the, I guess the timing for him to get back to the U.S. was going to be really, really tight. So he decided to stay home 
um, uh, for to make sure that you know, we have some solidity in our back line. Uh, his brother started uh, a couple matches though for uh, Nico Boxall started some matches for New Zealand. So um, imagine if they if they win the Oceania um, tournament that Bo- Michael Boxall will play in June uh, against um, probably Costa Rica. Uh, so you get to root against Michael Boxall, Edu. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> well, I don't think he was called up for the last game though. Uh, he was, but he declined it because of, uh, because oh. the timing was super. Yeah. It was just I, I wasn't listening to you. Clearly <laughs> that, that makes, that makes, that makes three of you. So, yep. um, Welcome right. to the club. you're fitting right in. Uh, that would happen. Finally, South Africa, Bongi was called in. Uh, she was supposed to play on Friday versus Guinea, uh, in Belgium. Um, however, him and another uh, player, the only two players who are not, uh, domestically based for South Africa had visa issues getting in um so he will play tomorrow um probably today if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out against france uh in france so south africa played yeah they played uh guinea um uh in belgium and then they're playing at france uh tomorrow slash today so he and the coach um i read an article basically said the coach they knew that this was happening and that he was guaranteed to to play and start probably on on tuesday so um i think that game might be on espn plus tomorrow um, so if you have ESPN plus and you want to watch, uh, Bongi, um, play, uh, yep. As a matter of fact, it is ESPN plus, uh, at two fifteen. Two fifteen. Bafana, Bafana. Yeah. So, uh, get to the black heart and watch that game with us. So, uh, uh all wait, right. What day is that? Tomorrow, literally Tuesday. Tomorrow. Mm. I could maybe do that. What time? Two fifteen. Thanks. No, that that's in the middle of the workday. When am I? No. Okay. All right. Minnesota United FC two uh, had their first game uh, on fr- uh, it was Saturday, right? Saturday. No, not Friday. Saturday. A couple things before we talk a little bit about the game. Uh, ticket prices were announced uh, for the match. Uh, there are some, uh, I guess, premium seating: um, fifteen dollars, twenty-two dollars, and then twenty-nine dollars. If you're a season ticket holder, those prices are ten. 15 and 20 for the corresponding seats. I think most of it's going to be general admission. If I was, I was looking at the seat geek map um, mm-hmm. and then there are some like right straight middle of the pitch where you'll play a little bit more uh, to be closer to the pitch. So if you want to go check out the first team or the, sorry, the MNUFC two, you can do that. You can just go to uh, basically go to seat geek and then you log in. If you log in, it automatically changes the prices from those 15, 22, 29 to 10, 15, 20. So they announced the rosters for the team. There will be some first-team players um, that will dress for these matches, too. And actually, we had some first-team players dress for the match against North Texas. SC, which we played down in Texas, and we lost 3-1. Uh, to one. Uh, MJ, who from our starting senior team was there? Or from our senior team was in the starting 11? Eight of the 11 players were actually from the senior team. Uh, new, new drafting. <laughs> awesome. Well, because <laughs> the only way that they're going to get playing time, Cameron Cameron Knowles will give them playing time. Inchi will not give them playing time. So this is good. This is good. Uh, I don't know. We uh, will. You, we lost, and nine of our primaries. But these are all players who are not getting minutes for Minnesota United FC. So they're 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 literally not even like okay. more not even making not even making the bench. Um, okay. I think Fair enough. These players Fair enough. Carry only, on. Only Hayes made the bench probably in the last game. So, Jessica, these are the players that when I talk about them being on the senior squad mm-hmm. and getting like 
uh, being on the bench or subbing in, you're like, who? You know, those, oh, yeah, those, yeah. those players. Okay, like, great. Who? Yeah. Uh, as long as I don't recognize any of these names, I'm fine with that. You'll recognize a couple of the names, but that's because they're not playing. Striker uh, Oluwasei, uh, uh, he's our draft pick. He started up top. I was really impressed with center attacking midfielder uh, Aziel Jackson, McMaster on the right wing. I recognize those names. Hayes was in the center midfield, left fullback, uh, new homegrown uh, Padelford, and then at center back, Colin Montgomery, and uh, right fullback, Keeban Gucci, and goalkeeper Fred Emmings. So that's, you know, majority, eight out of 11, you know, have signed senior team contracts. Yeah. And so it was not a not a great game for uh, Minnesota United. Um, Justin McMaster had a had a really good goal. Um, tell us a little bit about that, MJ. Great chemistry with our attacking four. St. Louis Park grad Emmanuel Uwe gets it on the left. He passes middle to Tawny. Tawny gets it to Aziel Jackson. Jackson gets it over to McMaster. McMaster shoots with his right foot. It's blocked. It's saved by their the backup keeper for fc dallas uh carrera i believe it's he makes the save but then off the rebound mcmaster does two things that most loons don't do when they get a rebound and that is i'm gonna move to a better shooting position and i'm gonna use my other foot change the angle so he the right foot is saved he moves the ball into a better shooting angle uses his left foot which actually makes the angle even better gets a goal it was really nice to see and makes you wonder why he's not getting more playing time <laughs> right right so um so i watched i only watched sort of the highlights of this game um uh just it, you know the back line and and goalkeeper looked pretty shaky fred emmings did not have a, a great game but fred emmings hasn't played a professional soccer game or hasn't played a, in a, a soccer game probably in what three years since he first signed with with the team so um but yeah, MJ, I, you uh, you watched this game, right? I did. Okay. Why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit more about um, uh, you know how the team looked and, and everything? So the weird part about it is Tony Zathras was the first one to point this out, and I completely agree. It looks very much like our senior team. And what I mean by that, which is not, I'm expanding on Tony's idea here. The counterattacking looked good. The possession did not look good. The the pressing and trying to win the ball back in the attacking third and the midfield looked good. What didn't look good is isolating our players and not giving them any near passes. Like we were looting our fullbacks and our wings, just like the senior team does by having three attackers at the top of the six years box, not cutting anywhere. You know, one of those needs to cut to the ball carrier. It drags some defenders out of the way. They're also Right after McMaster scored that goal, he pulled the Metnier and did an unnecessary cross that, you know, went way over the net and out of play. So, I was, you know, it was just, there were things that you like to see that chemistry, players' technical skills that were really good, and you're like, I can't wait to see more of this. But there was also a lot of, yes, I see a lot of senior team bad habits, you know, whether that's the coaching staff or else not, that does not stress certain things. And those were also not being stressed in 
um, MN2FC, as David likes to say. Yeah. I mean, at least we're consistent. Consistency! <laughs> uh, all right. Well, if you want to catch these, uh, these, oh, and the, uh, I thought there was another stat I saw. I can't remember. I think it was Jacob Schneider um, posted that the, uh, the average age of the uh, Minnesota 2FC roster is like 24. And that is the oldest in the league. <laughs> Yeah, so, I'm so not surprised because yeah, which or, or no, maybe it's, everyone's maybe it's fucking young to inchy. Maybe it's second. Maybe it's it's like oldest or second oldest. The the other team that was up there was the uh, the Monarchs, the RSL, uh, the yeah. RSL team. So I thought that was well, hilarious. If you want to watch these non kids play a match, uh, yeah, they're this not Sunday. <laughs> this this Sunday, April third, um, <laughs> against the Sporks uh, at one p.m. at Allianz Field. Uh, that's the day after Minnesota United plays Seattle, um, which they do this Saturday. Uh, if you not don't want to go to the game, you can all, like apparently all these games are streaming on MLSNextPro.com, so um, you can watch for these games free for free. So, which is basically what they should have charged. Can I just share a really audacious opinion. I have no interest in this two business. And I'm thinking that perhaps everybody that's currently on the waiting list for season tickets should attend those games to learn about soccer and how to be a fan until they are allotted their time in the line, the queue, you know, next up. They should have to go to those. Are you talking about Fan Pro Rail? (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, uh, that's super gatekeeper-y, Jess. Um, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and because okay. I found this gate, and then I got behind it. it, and I'm keeping everyone sh- else who has yet to find oh, it. Shoving out. everybody out who's not in already. So, all right, good. Pretty good much. Know. That's what we do here, right? Yep. All right. Uh, MJ, <laughs> what do you got for us this week on our, our Mystery Loon segment? So, uh, better know a loon. I'm going to give uh, a couple clues. This won't take long. Everyone gets a turn. We're going to start with David, then go to Adu, and then go to Jess on the guesses, okay? Okay. Because that's okay. the order you're on on my screen, and that'll be easiest. So, first clue for this current loon player. When asked the coolest place he's lived, he says, maybe Minneapolis. I like just the winter is very bad, but I like it. David. Coolest place he's lived? Uh, I don't know. Reynoso. Wrong. They do? Bongi. Wrong. Jessica? Uh, My friend, Kervin. Not Kervin, no. Second clue. During the MLS's back tournament in Orlando, Gregush, Marlon Harrison, Molino once tried to stack pizza boxes in front of his hotel room, making it hard for him to get out. David. Dane St. Clair? Wrong. They do? Um, Amaria was there. He was, but that's the wrong answer. Yes? He's a current player? Current player, yeah. Um, Hint, one of your faves. Well, sometimes everyone's my favorite. Um... Metinier. Ding, 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 ding. 
That dude's from uh, Madagascar, and he thinks that Minneapolis is one of the, the coolest places he's ever lived. Well, he's he's probably thinking literally, you know, foie. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. Fair enough. Oh, his first answer after – his words after saying maybe Minneapolis were I like. So he obviously understood the jargon of coolest, but he also did mention the winter, so I don't know. Well, maybe maybe he he played in France was boring. Where, where was he That's playing true. in France? Oh right, like, yeah, I forgot. Stad Rain or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he said. I think he was, no, that was that was the new. Um, where, where the yeah. fuck was that here from? Anyways, all right, let's move on. We're 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 running we're running long. So, um, once a loon dives and gets a player sent off uh, in Costa Rica versus Canada, uh, Mark Anthony K gets a red card. Uh, this was uh. The, the sad part about this is that Mark Anthony K is just basically giving a shoulder bump to Johan Venegas. Johan Venegas completely dies. This is a complete dive. There's no way that at the pace, the, the turtle pace that Mark Anthony K was walking and giving the shoulder bump, that Johan Venegas, that's enough momentum to knock him down. And he gets a red card on this, but I think nope, he does nope, 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 nope. Nope, he gets a he gets a second yellow. Right, sorry, a which second yellow, a which yes. turns into a yeah. red. Thank you, David. I I, has... need to, I I need to make this I need to make this clear because a deuce point that he's going to make here in a second is fucking spot on. So I just want to make sure that everything's clear. I also agree with the do after watching the highlights. So Adu, what is your take on this? Well, uh, there, there's two things. The first one and, and the most obvious to me was that the ref missed a complete flagrant filthy foul from mark anthony k on your uh, on matarita now they went and reviewed it and he left it at a yellow it was a yellow reviewed for red and kept the yellow and then uh really that, late tackle really late really tackle. late really ugly and really it wasn't that bad to be honest this happens all the time but he really got him studs up on the on the ankle um in actually matarita shared some pictures of that uh on online later where later and it was really nasty looking but th that's the first one right he he was making up for that bad play before that right so mark anthony k had a yellow he shouldn't be doing this stuff uh you do this and it's done second point i don't know if you guys ever heard about like boxing and like one time that uh, you know i think it was muhammad ali he, they thought that they, the 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 fight was faked because the punch didn't go that fast. And the, he was telling something about momentum. And if you come from different directions, it looks easy on the screen, but really I think it was like the equivalent of four trucks hitting Johan Venegas on the shoulder <laughs> and he spun around and fell on the floor. <laughs> totally yellow. Do you totally see what yellow. I mean, Jess, when I said he's the biggest Venegas fan in the, in the upper Midwest. So mm -hmm. Um, Physics lesson so, here from Adu Rosales. This is Adu. This is some. This is some Adu Anon shit, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Four trucks hitting Venegas. Uh, God, Equivalent. you are a Venegas. You are a Venegas truther, aren't you? Uh, I think there was a scientific study done about that, and like uh, physics yeah. and shit. Yeah, yeah. I swear, the video I ran back back and forth like three times, and I swear it's like four and a half, four point five trucks on the shoulder. So really rough. At sixty thousand really, really or seventy. Uh, 65 you're right on this you're right right in the area all right uh, on that note of venegas uh apparently being hit by four mac trucks at 65 miles an hour let's take a quick break uh we'll come back we'll talk minneapolis city um some open cup as well as talk a little bit about the seattle sounders mage coming up we'll be right back 
start off with the Minneapolis City Minute, which is basically the Minneapolis City 10 minutes. Uh, U.S. Open Cup. Min- Minneapolis City finally, finally, finally was able to play in, in an Open Cup that they qualified for. Uh, they had unfortunately had to go down to play Des Moines, uh, the Des Moines Menace, uh, who are the U- reigning USL League Two champions. Uh, they also play in the same conference as uh, Minneapolis City uh, the new conference that Minneapolis City SC is moving to, the USL2 conference. Um, should also say, point out that they are also staying in the MPSL, but they are putting a team into the USL League 2 as well. So this will be a team that, Minnesota, that Minneapolis City fans are going to see quite a lot of. And um, unfortunately, uh, ended up with a 4-2 loss. Uh, I think that scoreline favors Des Moines a little bit. I think this is a very close game. Uh, capped off or started off, I should say, by Michael Vang scoring the goal of the open cup, uh, one of the very first matches, uh, vangers only as, uh, as the Minneapolis city, uh, faithful and, and in particular, uh, Doreen, um, she is the one who tweeted it out. Uh, and we kind of ran with it and the team ran with it. It was the, it is basically from about 31 yards out, um, an absolute fucking rocket of a free kick into the top corner. The goalkeeper had absolutely no chance at this ball. Um, so much so that it was made Sports Center's top ten, and it was the number two play, number two play of the night was uh, Michael Vang uh, scoring just an absolute fucking rocket of a goal. Way to go! And MJ and I watched this game at Ninth uh, Street Soccer, uh, which is a, a super awesome coffee bar. Um, they were showing they show soccer <laughs> games all the time. Uh, Minneapolis City set up a watch party, and it was packed. I mean, I got there. Uh, but like when it started at technically it started at six. I think I got there like around six fifteen. By the time I got there, there was hardly any places to see. By the time the game kicked off at seven, it was like standing room only. It was absolutely packed. It was it was fun to see so many um, cool Minneapolis City people that and people that I've never seen before. It's kind of like how the dark clouds kind of exploded um, in between. Uh, you know, right before Bill McGuire bought the team, and then like the next year, all of a sudden it's just like all these people that you've never seen are like into soccer. So it was super cool. Yeah. And not only that, but since they have futsal right there at 9th Street Soccer, you got to see some Minneapolis City Futures play there. And Utapils brought brought us free beer. That's Yeah. Thank you, Utapils. Free free beer is always good. Uh, I will say, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, man. Go ahead, MJ. No, it, it just turns out to be one of the better sponsors. Uh, nothing against their previous beer sponsor, but Utapils really wanted to be more involved with with the team. And I'm looking forward to watch parties for away games to be either at 9th Street or the Utapils Brewery in in the future. Yeah. yeah. Um, I should also say, uh, Loic uh, Masanvi um, scored the second goal. Uh, that actually, so Des Moines. Uh, went and scored two um, shortly after. I mean, Minnesota, Minneapolis City was in this game for you know basically seventy minutes or so. Um, Des Moines was up two one um, when uh, Zach Susi uh, had a, just a beautiful pass to free Loic Masanvi, 
uh, for a, basically a one-on, you know, one-on-one. Uh, he beat the goalkeeper. Uh, Mansavi is only 18 years old, the youngest uh, uh, crow. And I've got to imagine Susie might be the second youngest crow. So that's pretty yeah. cool for the future. They, speaking of future, they both played with the Minneapolis City Futures. They both come from Minneapolis City's system and youth development. Uh, Loic Masandi getting the start up at striker. Zach Susi comes off the bench, and as soon as he comes off the bench, fresh legs, young, good playmaker, immediately has an impact. So it was uh, pretty amazing. There was a, a long ball into the left wing, and Zach Susi just one-touches it. Um on a nice like rainbow not really sombrero like like just a nice little teardrop rainbow into uh loic and loic just takes it splits the two center backs and takes it in on goal it was a beautiful goal but yeah ultimately sloppy midfield play and uh poor goalkeeping um doomed the crows obviously this is their first uh competitive game um this year uh they obviously have they played a few warm-up matches yeah they played a few warm-up matches um they don't. They also don't have in all of the players that they're going to have for this season, right? This is. I mean, college is still going on, so lots of the the college players that they're recruiting have not even, um, you know, been able to make it to the roster yet. So it's a uh, it's great showing. As I mentioned, um, they'll be playing the Des Moines Menace three times in USL League Two. So uh, this is just a, a great opportunity to sort of see where we stand. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. Uh, doing the the change, um, the competition level is going to be way higher. The demand is going to be higher for traveling. It's going to be a whole new world for Minneapolis City. I know we all love to go watch him win, and it was great because most of the games were wins, and we saw lots of goals. Uh, but that's basically, you know, like big fish, little pond. Now, uh, seeing <laughs> a first that first taste of how the competition is going to look like, I'm loving it because. Yeah, facing teams like Des Moines and teams that have a uh, longer tradition and maybe sometimes just different programs and they have older players and, um, you know, really excited. I don't know. I mean, it, despite knowing that we're not going to be great to, uh, right away, um, I'm definitely definitely looking forward to that. I don't know about you guys, how you feel if, if you're bummed because we're not going to win anymore or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or excited for the, you know, the next level competition. I I would push back on that. We're not going to win anymore. I think um, Moines, <laughs> as much. No, honestly, I, I think so. Des Moines clearly is is the class of the league. They've, they've been. This is their 14th. I believe I anyway, I read that this is their 14th uh, Open Cup, U.S. Open Cup. So they've been a team for a long time. So they have obviously a long established tradition. They have a lot of like a lot of players who keep coming back there every year. Um, they have a, a, a pipeline of talent of coaches who know them. So they obviously have a, they have a well established tradition, right? Minneapolis City doesn't have all that. They obviously have some. They have they have a lot of of cachet and and cred, uh, both in Minnesota in the Minnesota soccer community, but also um, in the in the U.S. soccer community. Right, people know who Minneapolis City is. Um, I think I don't think Minneapolis City. I don't think it's going to be like an expansion type thing where we're going to come in like Minnesota United FC and just shit the bed for two years. Right, I think Minneapolis City Minneapolis City is planning on coming into USL League Two to be competitive and to win games. It would not surprise me, honestly, if Des Moines and Minneapolis City are one-two in some order at the end of the year uh, for the Midwest Conference or Midwest Division of the uh, or North the Northern Division of the Midwest Conference, whatever the fuck it's called for USL League. There's there's so many different conferences and stuff, but it, it would definitely not surprise me if Minneapolis City is not one of the better teams um, in 
in uh, our conference this year. So I don't think it has to be either or. Um, I think the better competition will make the team better, right? It'll, it'll make their recruitment better. It'll make sh- like it's this is not going to be an Eau Claire situation where we just say, fuck it. We're just going to get all the, the soccer kids from Eau Claire and play um, against, you know, kids who actually know how to play soccer and want to play soccer. Um, Minneapolis City is in this, I think, for the long haul. I know I know they're in there for the long haul and they have the people the people in place at this on the sporting side um as well as on the obviously the, the, the um, administrative management side to like make it be successful so so it's the central conference deep north division it's, there you go thank you deep um, north yeah. yeah and it includes uh fc manitoba that plays out of winnipeg uh thunder bay chill st croix sc which is our local derby crosstown rival from Stillwater, I believe. And then yep. uh, Peoria City being the really weird, like, why the fuck Peoria City, you know? Why couldn't the fuck Green Bay Voyagers still be in the in the conference? They have to take a year off and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. That's because they're focusing on their women's team, MJ. So, hey, I give them kudos for focusing on the women's team. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, honestly, I do. I think, um, I think we'll be doing a lot of winning still. And 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 there's and they're still playing in MPSL, so we'll still be able to kick the shit out of uh, Sioux Falls all the time if we want. So, good. That's good. I like your prediction. There's always Sioux Falls, baby. <laughs> I will uh, pull back a little bit, saying I don't know if we're going to be one two, but I I give it one to two seasons of the Minneapolis City coaches and players learning the league, learning the opponents, learning the other coaches and what they're trying to do, and you're going to see. Minneapolis City be just as successful as the USL League Two division. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like we should have. So Vang had another like in this in this game against the Des Moines Menace. Vang had another shot, two more shots actually. Um, within about 15, 20 minutes of his first goal, that yeah. could have gone in and and yes. easily could have gone in. And if that case, if if Minneapolis City's up three to nothing, um, I don't know if Des Moines coming back from that. Honestly, the the last goal was uh. And again, we also don't have we don't have our all of our all of our defenders, our goalkeeper, and everything like that. Like, I think this team is actually is well prepared for for this league. And I and yeah. yeah. So I mean, I haven't obviously I've never seen any of the other teams except for Des Moines. I mean, I've, obviously I've seen Des Moines in the past um, playing uh, Minnesota United in open cups. Um, so I have know a little bit about them. And, and obviously they have a they have a very long history in, in U.S. soccer as well. So they have, but I don't know anything about fucking Peoria FC or the winnipeg shit stains or whatever um <laughs> david i i will agree with you that in this game they looked like they were competitive they did not look like they were out of their element or out of their league and they kept it close so i agree with you there yes we're gonna get players back but Des Moines Menace are going to get their college players too. We've lost Max Kent on the defensive line. We've lost Max Steedwork in, in the attacking infield. And maybe more, most importantly, we lost Matt Elder at goalkeeper. And oh, so that's to be the big one. Breaking my that's, heart. Yeah, we need, to, we need to figure out the goalkeeping situation for sure. So, And uh, I think, and I think and Troy Luagi can step into those. He's a big dude. Like, he's going to be really great. But, like, when Elder has had that starting position since 2016, day one of Minneapolis City, you know, that's 
some big shoes. Whoa, that, and that's where you're like, did we keep somebody in the wings like Dane St. Clair that could just jump in right now? Yes, Troy Luagi. Yeah, Luagi. Um, his decision making was, I mean, listen, I'm, as a goalkeeper, I have made plenty of terrible decisions uh, in rec league. And, Even and, as and not that. a goalkeeper, you've made your fair share of terrible decisions. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. But I'm, I'm just talking in the last like month, Jess. Like, um, <laughs> uh, letting the, me the on this podcast. The decision making, yes, that is probably my 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 biggest regret in my entire life. Um, his decision making was not was not great. He needs to really shape shape that up if uh, if he's going to step into Matt Elder's. Obviously, as you mentioned, extremely large uh, shoes. So, uh, all right. So, go for soccer, um, man. That's that kicks off again soon. Um, the spring season starts uh, literally wow. this weekend. Uh, tell us a little bit about it, MJ. Just so you know, they play this Saturday, April second, at uh, versus the Creighton Blue Jays down in Omaha at the Creighton Blue Jays Stadium, uh, Morrison Morrison Stadium. So if you want to take a weekend, a long weekend, and go watch Minnesota Gophers on Saturday and then next Tuesday watch Union Omaha kill the Des Moines Menace, um, that would be a really fun, long soccer weekend. Uh, and then just to next week, the, the following Saturday, which we will talk more on the next pod, uh, we'll start a, a series of free games at Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium that I cannot wait for. Cool. All right, let's talk about Seattle. Um, Seattle comes to town on Saturday, uh, the 2nd, uh, 7 p.m. at Allianz. Ooh, uh, Seattle. Ooh, Seattle, yeah. Uh, so the uh, some of the – so they're currently sitting in 10th place right now, um, which is, you know, typical, standard. Seattle starts the season poorly and then proceeds to not lose a game from July on. Um, yeah, it's like know, like, oh yeah, this is what we do for a living. Yeah. So Seattle has a has an important uh, a CCL semifinal match against NYCFC on Wednesday. So What's CCL wait slow down. The Concacaf Champions League. Um, it's the it's like the Continental Champions League Cup. of Europe. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the yeah club cup for the continent. Oh my God. Soccer is so weird. I mean, I love it, but it is. everybody's playing everybody and we got to find like more Ho- words dictionary Hopeful. just to talk about how many different layers of league play we have in certain geographic areas. Yeah. Just anyway. hopefully we'll be playing, hopefully we'll be playing in this relatively soon. So um, don't, don't knock it too much. Uh, anyways. No, I'm, I, I just, it, <laughs> It never fails to amaze, like one more soccer matchup, roundhouse, bracket, league, you know what I'm saying. All the cups. Yep. So they actually host Seattle, or sorry, Seattle hosts New York City uh, on Wednesday. Uh, And so, you know, there's a very good possibility we might see a a rotated lineup here for Seattle. you know, we know we. I guess I'm assuming that they want to win uh, CCL. Um, every MLS team, MLS wants MLS teams to win CCL. So um, I think uh, Dan Grabber probably is calling up Brian Schmetzer and, and saying, uh, "Hey, man, um, let's focus on winning the CCL." So it might not. 
might not be uh, as full of a, of a Seattle uh, Sounders roster as we are normally used to seeing, which is probably a good thing for, for Minnesota. I wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah. Any, anything else others before we can start, we can start dropping there, some players there, there in there. Injuries too. Yeah. I suppose you're, you're right. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's injured? They do. Who's injured? Uh, Ridias and Nolero. I mean, top two. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're, I mean, unless they get better and I, I don't know what they're, um, uh, you know, what, 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 what they're out for, but, uh, you know, uh, if it's like the NHL, they'll be saying upper body and lower body. So you never know. And I think MLS started doing something like that, you know, thigh and thorax. Body. thorax. Thorax, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're an insect. <laughs> so, so who do we think we're actually going to see from Seattle? I mean, we'll obviously see Brian Schmetzer, um, the man of the uh, ill-fitting suit uh, on the on the sidelines. Even almost, I think, even more ill-fitting than uh, Inchi, Jess. This is uh, oh god, yes, oh yes. Yeah, Brian Schmetzer is a is a is a kind of a schlub um he's a great he's a really goddamn good soccer coach he's such but, a nerd he's, he's such he's a stereotypical a nerd i he just is. think of like honey i shrunk the kids guy what was his name rick moranis. rick moranis yes that is he is the equivalent the soccer equivalent of rick moranis done like uh, semi-autistic probably <laughs> on the spectrum i mean if i'm just going by his wardrobe he's not a fashion icon like not a, everyone can be one yeah he's not a matthias almeida yeah so well jordan morris uh, is actually he's in the um u.s camp but hasn't gotten any any playing time so my um, guess is that he will probably oh, he, oh yeah right he did sub in yesterday right yeah not not in not in mexico i can't remember one of the two games he subbed in so okay. i'm just trying to correct you that but he has not gotten a lot of playing time Correct. Um, so the uh, the lineup that they ran out um, immediately after they played uh, the the last leg of the CCL uh, was Will Bruin up top, um, Chu Rusnak, who I forgot that they signed Albert Rusnak, uh, and rolled on uh, across the the three, uh, Joao Paulo and Vargas as the two as the and then Nuhu uh, Ariaga Reagan and um, Alex rolled on with. Uh, uh, Stephen Cleveland in in goal. So I'd imagine we'd see something similar um, to that lineup, maybe with Morris uh, in there. Um, but that's, I mean, that is not a strikes fear into the hearts of men lineup like it would be with Rui Diaz uh, in there, right? So um, definitely think uh, Minnesota has um, a, a really good shot at, at, you know, at this game. And like you said, they're they're gonna hold up some of those players because those those that you mentioned are key players, anyways. Whether Ridias or Lolero are there, they're still key. So uh, you know they'll they'll mix in a couple of young young guys. Uh, definitely, I don't know. I think it's they're not gonna come up with their best lineup. I don't know if it's a B, but they're not gonna come up with their best lineup. I don't think. Didn't the last time we played them? Didn't you, David, called Jao Paulo the best six in MLS? Probably because he is. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's he's 31 years old do they do they rest him I'm thinking he, i think he plays against us i think he does i mean since i i, I think since uh, um because they're playing new york city um so they're not and because it's in seattle so they're just tra- traveling from seattle to minnesota back to seattle right that's not a that's not a super grueling trip it's not like like 
flying down to Mexico or Central America, you know, or the Caribbean or something, and then flying back, um, you know, having to do that, having to do that trip. I think we might be, we might see more, more of the players, but I think there is a, a good possibility that maybe um, that some of these guys get rest or are, are really only going to go 60 minutes, um, which gives Minnesota the opportunity really to, uh, um, to put their best line of forward. I don't, I've not heard anything on, uh, in trading about Metnir, uh, or, um, you know, if he's going to be back or if they're still running out, uh, Dotson on the right, uh, I would imagine Kamar Lawrence will get his first start on Saturday. Um, that's something that's, that's someone that we haven't really spent a ton of time talking about because he's not, he, you know, he joined right before, um, the match last time. And then obviously there's international break and he is a Jamaican international. He, um, wasn't called into the, to the team. Obviously the team is basically eliminated. Um, there was eliminated playing time in Toronto. Yeah. So has he hadn't, he hadn't even, I, you know, he hadn't even been training with the team. Like he literally, I think by had just been, you know, training by on, on his own. So he definitely wanted to get acclimated. So <clears throat> it wouldn't surprise me at all. If we see Kamar Lawrence uh, get the start at left back um, this, this week as well. So, and again, without seeing what the injury report looks like for Minnesota, you know, kind of think we're mostly, oh, you know, mostly good. Um, obviously, Gasper's still out. Um, but yeah, again, with without Metnir, it's hard to tell. But Minnesota's played really well. Their defense has been um, surprisingly solid, considering that we've had so many different rotations of mm-hmm. of a uh, backline uh, and the the goalkeeper uh, swap. Uh, and then um, it's just our attack has just been just absolute garbage. This you know, four games, four goals does not generally one goal a game does not generally equal success uh, in any league, um, especially MLS. So um, yeah, I think we'll, I think Minnesota looks poised to, uh, to take three points here. Um, I'm really, I think, I think we can do it. I think Minnesota wins this game uh, uh, one to nothing. Uh, MJ, who you got? As much as a negative Nathan, as I usually am, I'm kicking Minnesota to win two one. Uh, I'm going to temper my, my everything and say we draw one, one. All right. And I do. I, I think we're going to have a two nothing game. Um, yeah, you're right. They haven't been, you know, kicking all cylinders on offense, but they've also missed lots of chances. And I think this may be the game where we get a couple. And, uh, I don't think that the firepower in Seattle right now with the team that they have, is going to come to Minnesota and, and just score on us a lot. And I'll take the, the, my big uh, Nostradamus, Nostradamus uh, prediction is uh, <laughs> Bungie. Bungie gets his first. Hell yeah. Let's break the fucking internet in South Africa. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would love for that to be the case. The MJN on take is that the combination of the length of the flight and going through COVID protocols that are going to mean that he's not ready to play come this week, this weekend. Dang. You killed it for me. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I think, hope. Yeah. That was like, I don't think that, pick me up. I don't think there are like the, the sitting COVID protocols like there used to be MJ. MJ. So I think, uh, I think MJ Anon as, as QAnon is uh, fucking bullshit and made up and <laughs> So, so it was the first time that they made up some fucking bullshit. On, on, yeah. On, you know. Any anything else from Seattle? Um, I do. I'm yeah. Uh, MJ, Jess, anything else you want to yeah add about Seattle? Um, I don't know about you guys if you remember RSL, but they always 
when Rusnak was there, Rusnak, we would we lose against them. So uh, having Rusnak on the other side, I don't like it ever because, you know. I hope, I hope Rusnak starts and then they realize that with the Champions League, they need to pull him because Rusnak coming off the bench at the 60, 70th minute mark and going against tired loons does not make me optimistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that dude... Um, much like Florian Youngworth, like just eats our lunch all the time. So, <laughs> yes, and uh, then spits it out and then eats it again. Yeah, yeah, like a like a like a dog, uh, eating its own shit. Yeah, Albert Rusnak. <laughs> really, I feel like just like Seattle and Portland in my brain are interchangeable and easily confused. Um, when I think about Seattle, I think. That's Portland. No, they're the other Portland. <laughs> and that's about all I have to say about that. I mean, they both they both play on plastic fields, so there is that. You know, they're both so. that way. They both wear green of some shade. <laughs> like, all right, let's let's jump into uh, some rest of the world soccer. Like the Real, Northwest re- needed two distinct teams. What the fuck? <laughs> Well, technically they have three because there's Vancouver as well. So, well, that's a whole Canadian story. Uh, all right, let's jump into some uh, uh, international uh, World Cup qualifying. Uh, MJ, South Korea, and Iran played a match. So both of these teams are already qualified, and like I said last week, so this is just for pride. But history was made. It had been 11 years since uh, South Korea had beat Iran, not just drawn beaten had beaten iran and 17 years since korea had beaten iran in korea wow the last time dang they beat iran it was at the afc uh asian cup so it was a neutral site in in actually qatar in doha was the last time they beat 11 years ago so the last time they had beaten it was a, a friendly in seoul 17 fucking years ago. So this time, World Cup qualifying, not a friendly, something that actually means something. South Korea kills the curse, 2 nothing against Iran. A stupid Sung Hyo Min goal that should not even be mentioned because the goalkeeper should have had it. And a beautiful second goal that involved four players, five amazing passes, and none of them named Sung Hyo Min. We're talking like... Lee Jang Sung from Mainz and Huang Hee Chan from Wolves. Like they were all coordinating and passing together, doing that Dutch system that was taught to them by the Dutch coaches and now the South Korean coaches have kept. So it was beautiful. I, I tell Sounds like colonialism. Um, yeah, except for soccer. Yeah. And, I, and and actually where Korea actually invites them, because like, hey, you're better at this shit. Teach us something. <clears throat> Like tell, beautiful things happen when you have consent. I like to tell the uh, the Wolves fans who are always at the bar that Huang Hee Chan is going to look really good in uh, Liverpool red uh, in a couple of years. <laughs> so they don't they don't they don't appreciate that. So uh, I don't either. Right. And then in the uh, I, I'm not saying this is like the greatest upset ever, but it's probably the best upset of World Cup qualifying. Uh, UEFA path C. So UEFA has a 
a weird way how they're doing. Basically, there's all this like second place teams and a couple of teams from the their nation's league qualified for a playoff, um, one-legged playoffs, uh, basically a semifinal and a final. Um, this particular path has had Italy um, on one side and then Portugal on the other side. So one of those teams for sure was not going to go to the World Cup in uh, Qatar in uh, November. However, no one thought it would happen this way with Italy losing at home to yeah. North Macedonia, one to nothing. Uh, North Macedonia, a team that beat Germany actually during uh, uh, during the group stages, by the way. Um, MJ, tell us a little bit about this insane goal that was scored was- uh, to beat to beat Italy. First of all, Italy had like 30-something fucking shots. I think it was 32 <laughs> shots, eight on, eight on target, I believe. Yeah, an insane and number. So between the goalkeeper making saves and a lot of blocks, you know, just a, you know, a lot of just tough defense, we're going to bunker down. They actually kind of like what Italians are kind of known for, just playing dumb, dirty defense and making you beat them, and Italy couldn't beat them. And then I just remember them as biters. After everyone's tired, there's a long ball played in to Alexander uh, Dragkowski. It it was a goal kick. It was a goal kick. So yes, it's from the goalie. Long ball. Yeah. What did I say? Long ball played in. You said, you said long ball played in. Yeah. Goal. It, it was a fucking goal kick. Don't don't call it a long ball. It was a fucking goal kick. As a goalie, I'm very particular about this. It's a fucking goal kick. Clearly. <laughs> give, give the goalkeeper credit. It was not a long ball from a fullback. It was actually a long ball from a goalkeeper. And it's the 92nd minute. We're in stoppage time. And Trafkowski scores. And Eric Silver-Renneman pointed out on the Minnesota Football Show that Trafkowski used to play in Syria in Italy for Palermo. And this game was held in Palermo. So he, he, it's his homecoming to the city where he used to play, the city that he used to call home, mm. a stadium that he's very familiar with. Yeah, like a lot of people there went to see him probably. Um, no, no, a lot of people were not happy. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was a shot from about – so he takes the ball, he dribbles a little bit, and then he takes a shot. It's probably about – about 35 yards out, it beats Donnarumma, who was clearly not prepared for him to take a shot because that there's no way in hell that, that Donnarumma, who's, you know, arguably one of the top 10 goalkeepers in the world, um, should have gotten beaten on this shot. It was not like, it was not like a, like one of that, you know, top corner, it was bottom, you know, bottom, bottom corner. It was on the ground. Donnarumma dived. He, I, I think his feet, I, I go back and look at like how his feet were set and everything, but I don't think his feet were set at all. I don't think he expected him to shoot. I think he expected him to pass. And then, yeah, he just took a shot, you know, not throwing away my shot. Right. And, uh, and yeah, it's, they played Portugal today, Tuesday. If you're listening Everyone to this. wants to talk about how goalkeeper Donnarumma is like the next best shit to happen in the world, in global soccer. Adu will tell you who the best PSG goalkeeper is. Best PSG goalkeeper is Navas. He's not doing <laughs> <It's better laughs> oh, I'm a little I biased. I'm a little no, biased. No, no, no. I know that, but but he's not. Donnarumma is not that good. He's made many mistakes. That was just one of them. With PSG, uh, a couple of games before that, when they got beat three nothing, 
Um, I don't remember which, but but uh, yeah, one of the top teams also in France and three nothing. And one of those was just a bad play. Oh, it's just it's, he's just been he's just not had a good year. Um, yeah, that's it. Maybe he's really yeah. good. Maybe he's the future of, of goalkeeping. But right now he's not. Not at this rate. He's going to get no. shit-canned <laughs> before he's the future. Yeah. He was. He's young. Um, he's he's obviously much younger than Kaylor Navas. Uh, he was a AC Milan's goalkeeper. There was actually a, a very brief time where uh, Liverpool were rumored to be getting Donnarumma. I was very excited about it, and then we went and got Allison. I'm like, oh, I, we got a better keeper. So, um, <laughs> how's Jordan Pickford treating you, MJ? Uh, all right, NWSL Challenge Cup. Hey, this kicked off a couple weeks ago, and if you don't watch women's soccer you should number one because it's part of the beautiful game it's wonderful to watch all the nwsl is going to be on paramount plus so if you already have paramount plus for let's say uefa champions league or uefa women's champions league or Concacaf champions league or afc world cup qualifying or just like some paramount originals yeah maybe you're a star trek fan you like star <laughs> trek picard paramount plus right I got, whatever i got it for- I got it for the Jackass movies. All the Jackass <laughs> movies are there, by the way. Not surprised. So not On surprised. On brand, David. On brand. <laughs> Watch these games. I, I got to see the Angel City versus OL Reign game. Super fun to watch. Savannah McCaskill just takes a girl out, gets a red card. Angel City, with all their Hollywood, like, amazing ownership group, whatever. Fun to see Julie Foudy in the opening ceremonies, but all rain, like they won. I just want to point out there was one goal you have to go look up. Chicago Red Stars versus Casey Current. The Kansas City Current, not good last year. They were horrible, you know, and they are top of their central division right now in the NWSL Challenge Cup. Uh, Haley Mace. Look up Haley Mace, Casey Current, Chicago Red Stars. Banger of a goal. Uh, great assist from Labonta. All right. Uh, and we, so let's have some questions. We have a question for, uh, for Adu um, from Eddie Vong. Uh, MJ, can you read the question, please? Es posible que Costa Rica marque seis goles contra el Estados Unidos y gane esta partido con los Seis colos. En español o en inglés? En español. En español. Eh, no, no, no. Va a pasar. No va a pasar. Repite. No va a pasar. No va a pasar. No va a pasar nunca. Eh, Costa Rica no le gana 6 a 0 a Estados Unidos. So um, definitely not going to happen. I, you know, I'm not going to say it's very highly unlikely that this will happen. <laughs> Um, not impossible, just very, very highly unlikely. It's uh, scoring six against the U.S. Uh, that hasn't been done. I mean, Costa Rica scored four on the U.S. in Costa Rican soil once, I remember. Uh, that was a while back. And uh, But six, that's just, uh, you know, unless there were like, you know, three red cars on the U.S. side and, uh, you know, um, all of them fell ill. And, you know, you have, you know, just... If you have a skeleton of a team, somehow 
that would be that would have possibly happened. Costa Rica only scored six goals once, I I think, against Cameroon on a friendly, and I think it was a match that was fixed somehow. Um, so yeah, uh, Costa Rica doesn't have the firepower, and the U.S. is not going to let that happen. Not six goals. I believe that um, I, I can't remember which podcast I listened to a lot of soccer podcasts today. One of them said the last time, the only time the U.S. has ever allowed six goals was like in 1979 against France in a friendly. So um, yeah, and Costa Rica, you know, to be, they've been really great defensively. They've only uh, scored 11 goals in this cycle. So, and yeah, they basically only, they only have Joel Campbell up top really. So unless, unless Cowboys getting bangers or something. And it's not like he scores all the goals. He's the one up front and he scores a couple, uh, you know, one here or there. But it's been it's been uh, unlikely players that go and score, you know, like the, the occasional time where you get your center back going forward and, and heading a ball in or, you know, a cent- uh, defend- defensive midfield that just gets daring, things like that. But it's it, yeah, Costa Rica does not even have enough to score. You know, Costa Rica's style right now is uh, let him play with the ball. We'll give you the half half a court, half a field. Do what you want. We'll get you back out here, and we're going to slowly counter, hopefully get something. If anything, one nothing, 2 nothing. But the reality is this is looking like a 1-1 one, one or something. Speaking of center backs getting forward, Calvo, in the last game against Canada, got forward twice in threatening spot and just missed headers at, at the net. But he looked like he was doing his Calvo thing, meaning getting forward and attacking – and then hosing his defense behind him. <laughs> uh, one thing you and I have in common to do is that we both think that Cabo gets too much loon hate. Yeah. You might disagree on how much is too much, but how do you perceive Cabo's strengths and weaknesses and or his goodness and his evilness? Oh, my. <laughs> uh, I think he, he deserved, deservedly uh, gets the hate of uh, Loon fans because of uh, his comportment out of, out of the field. Uh, mm-hmm. He was never really good at answering questions with the press. He was just mean. And he has that personality that, that is a little bit uh, contrarian. He likes to be the center of attention. He likes to get the, he likes to take the heat. So he'll go out and say stuff that's so dumb so that people focus on him. So in that regard, he's also a team player. He's also trying to get that heat, trying to, you know, uh, release the, the younger players, get all that stuff. And he's been in good form. Um, even with San Jose, he, I know it's a fluke where he scored twice on the, the crosses from Gregush. Um, he's scoring twice for Calvas. I don't know if it's ever happened, but uh, not really. He's it's there's no way. Uh, so, anyways, he's been in good form. There's a lot of of the older players that have been in good form. Calvo's been in good form. He just gets a lot of slack every time he makes a mistake. People just point it out, and they love to make fun of it. Nobody's looking at Darwin every time he misses. Nobody's looking at Gregush. Not not everybody's looking at every other loon that was a loon and pointing out those little things. People love to point out the stuff on Frankie Calvo. And that's the only reason. But other otherwise, yeah, he deserves it. He's, you know, if he was nicer and not a, 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 a you know, that, that sort of a personality, uh, he wouldn't be getting so much slack, I hope. Uh, I believe from Minnesota fans. But right now, yeah, it's like everybody piles on every time. Every time he looks at anybody the wrong way, people will point up Calvo and say, ha, ah, look at him. You know, it's been four years. It's, it's a, a one World Cup cycle that he's been out of Minnesota and people still point him out. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like we're, we're the annoying ex 
ex that just agreed is yeah. happy with I their life right not. now <laughs> yeah. i'm emotionally whole now and i don't i don't even pay attention <laughs> to what he does like i couldn't even pick him out of the crowd when he played <laughs> okay like yes. i'm in such i'm just a very different person than i was when he and i had a relationship <laughs> so, so what you're saying to do is just don't be a prick I'd, I'd say forget about Calvo and focus on the good things that we have right now. Like Bonky. Yes, yes. Exciting Bonky up front. We have we have lots of good we have pieces. Amarilla. Oh, man. It's, it's we fun. are this a commodity. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you understand, Adu. Like, I, I orgasm when I see Calvo put the ball into his own net. <laughs> so... And some of us aren't in an emotionally different place than we were when we had a <laughs> relationship. Fine. So y'all, you know, y'all, y'all do you. So everybody uh, um, grieves their own pace. Are, are you I, sure? Are you sure? You're not, I'm not grieving. That's he, his fucking ecstasy when he puts the ball into the back <laughs> of his own net. So is it because um, of the he putting the ball in the back of the net, or you just kind of like him because he's a cute guy? What? A little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Thank you, Adu, so much for, for joining us. How can, if people want to uh, to reach out to you, um, you have a Twitter handle. Um, um, yeah, I think I go with Adu Rosales underscore man. Okay. So there you go. Um, I'll try and find it and, and put it in the, uh, and when we put out, the, we'll post the podcast. Um, please rate, review us wherever you get uh, the podcast. Uh, Patreon.com slash the days I know. We'll, Happy birthday, man, here. We'll be getting that. Uh, Bon uh, Jesus fucking Christ, guys. <laughs> and the goddamn thing. It's, te- it's 1040. <laughs> We've been the Daves. You know, this is the Daves I know. You do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all.